Well, welcome to The Journey. Uh, my name is Kevin Polkin, and I am the host of The Journey. And as many, as you, many of you are aware, The Journey is uh, episodes that really just focus on stories of transformation, stories of individuals who've had either some setbacks or obstacles in their life. And not only what were those obstacles, but more, maybe equally, in, or maybe more important is what did they learn about themselves? And then what are they then bringing back into the greater community because of those experiences? And today we have a special guest, uh, Ivan, I'm going to say your name, uh, Ruva Kaba. Yeah, Ruva Kaba. Ruva Kaba. Thank you. <laughs> so Ivan, thank you for being on the show. For Thank you for being on the journey. I know we got to meet for the first time a, a few months ago as, as one of um, our newest therapists to, to write out counseling up in, up in the Elm Grove office, which is outside of Milwaukee. And so, well, welcome to the journey, because I know uh, as we get into your story that there is a uh, a pretty interesting aspect of some of the the twists and turns of your of your path up up until this point. So uh, so so welcome to the journey. L- let me start off with the question I always ask: Is what does Ivan do for fun when you have an opportunity uh, when you're not working or whatever? What what do you do for fun? Uh, well, one thank you for having me again, JP. Happy to be here. Um, but what I do for fun? So at home, I have a dog and a cat. So I enjoy spending a lot of time with them. Uh, my dog's name is Bonita. My cat's name is Cusco. Um, besides that, I really enjoy cooking. Um, that's been my main source of de-stressing after work. Uh, and it's actually worked out really well because we have soup club at work now. So sure. people at work too. Sure. Perfect. And, and so, uh, well, maybe just, just to share, just because you, 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 what is your dog's name? Bonita. Bonita. And, mm-hmm. and so your, your background is, what's your background? Uh, so I'm Mexican. I was born in Mexico in Guadalajara, Jalisco. Uh, my move, my family moved to the States when I was about three. Oh, so, okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and where in the States did you guys move to from, from Mexico? We lived in New Jersey uh, up until I was about 10. And then from then we moved to Wisconsin. So I've been here since I was 10 years old. Gotcha. And, and if, from the stories that you heard, what was the reason that uh, the, the journey went to New Jersey before you went to Wisconsin? How did, how did that, how did you end up in New Jersey? And then how'd you end up in the Milwaukee area? Uh, so we had family in New Jersey. My dad had um, a sister there. So, you know, that was part of why we originally landed there. Um, and then pretty much the same thing over when we came to Wisconsin, he had another brother over here and there was just more work available at the time. So, my dad works in drywall and construction, so. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Okay, and how many siblings do you have? I have an older brother. Uh, his name's Isaac. He is 28, and then I have a younger sister named Maria Jose, who is 16. Okay, okay. And Ivan, how old are you right now? I'm 26. 26, okay. So, mm-hmm. so, and I know we're going to get into this in a second, but there has been, a, obviously, there's a lot of things that you've accomplished already in, in, in your young age of 26. But when you were in high school, um, so you moved to Wisconsin. How, how old were you when you moved to Wisconsin? 10. Yep. 10, okay. And then, and so when you were in, in high school and in middle school and high school, was there any particular activities that you were drawn to, extracurricular activities? Uh, yeah, what were you drawn to? Oh, I was a big soccer guy. Um, still played up until like last year. And then, you know, all COVID happened. So it wasn't as much of an opportunity. But yeah, I've been playing soccer since we lived in New Jersey. Um, so 
yeah, come from a big soccer family. My dad was always into it. Now his knees aren't what they used to be now, so he doesn't play as much, but sure. Yeah. I, I imagine a combination of uh, uh, of working construction, specifically drywall, and then all those years of playing soccer. I imagine that's taken a little bit of a toll on him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He still wants to be out there, but it's not quite the same. That's <laughs> sure, sure. So, um, so I. I I know that there has been some things along your journey that have definitely, uh, as we talked about, some obstacles that that happened. And so one of those obstacles was that when you were in your late teens, uh, you were diagnosed with with cancer. So so why don't you share a little bit about how that all came about? What what was the circumstance with that? And then and then, you know, obviously the treatment and and all that. So why don't you kind of fill us in on, on that? Yeah, so it all happened my senior year of high school. Um, it started with a bunch of different symptoms that no one could really piece together as to what it was. So, you know, I'd have chest pains. I lost like 40 pounds, um, wasn't able to sleep, had night terrors almost every night. Um, but because it was such a different set of symptoms, no one really knew exactly what it was. Um, I got diagnosed with depression and anxiety because they thought it was a mental thing. And to a degree it was because, you know, it was definitely taking a mental toll on me. Um, but eventually we went to this pediatrician who used to work at the cancer ward in children's. So she knew what she was looking at. She pieced it together pretty quickly. Um, she ordered some blood tests and sure enough, it was stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. So I got diagnosed, I believe it was February of 2013. So nine years ago now. Um, started chemo pretty soon after that. Uh, it was a pretty quick regimen, just had to do chemo uh, every two weeks on Mondays. Still remember that pretty vividly. And yeah, I was done by July 15th of 2013. So, okay. so, so maybe just for the audience to, to, there is a lot of times we'll talk about Hodgkin's lymphoma and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and maybe just a, a simplistic version of what's the difference between the two. Um, I don't know the specifics. I just know that they're blood cancers and mine was pretty severe, uh, just because of how far it had progressed. So by the time they caught it for me, it had, uh, made its way throughout my whole body. So, uh, I had to wear a back brace for a while because my vertebrae were going to collapse. And I, yeah, it, it was uh, pretty far reaching. It was down to the bone marrow in, in my hips. So. Gotcha. Okay. So, so then when you talk about the treatment for, obviously there was chemo, right? And then did you do radiation as well? Nope. Just chemo. Just chemo. And, and so I guess it was without saying your body responded fairly well to the chemo. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, so as you, as you reflect back on that, on that experience now, you know, obviously the misdiagnosing, uh, prior to that and and they're you know they were addressing the symptoms that you were having the depression anxiety which would be understandable and then getting the news um that it is cancer and it's stage four cancer well yeah what was that like and and uh what do you recall of, of that at that time being you know 17 18 years old yeah honestly the biggest thing i remember is just a sense of relief just finally knowing what it was um because you know i had been feeling pretty terrible for a few months at that point and you know everyone's telling you it's this thing or the other thing but nothing's really 
you know, getting resolved. So you're just kind of stressed out all the time trying to, uh, you know, figure out what's wrong because you start to internalize a lot of it. It's like, is it coming from me? Is it a mental thing? Um, so hearing that, sure, it was a little stressful, but I, I think I was relieved more than anything. My family was a little panicky because, you know, parents have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like I knew I was going to be fine. Okay. So there was a level of confidence uh, or, or, or a level of, yeah, I don't maybe confidence isn't the right word, but there was, there was this sense that you had once you did get the diagnosis that, that, okay, now there's a protocol for this. I'm going to be okay. And, and, and so going through the treatment, um, it, which I think is hugely encouraging for people who, who may be searching for that and, and may find out that they have a you know, a type of cancer or even the same type of cancer. What was, as you were going through the treatment, what, how was that? How could you, what you recall of that experience? What was that like? Um, it was lonely, I would say. Um, I had to finish up my high school career at home. Um, so I was, had more than enough credits to graduate, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I had one class that I had to take by myself at home. Um, you know, my mom was with me a lot of the way, as was my dad. Um, but yeah, more than anything else, I just remember spending a lot of time alone. Gotcha. Okay. And and as you think about that, that experience, and then obviously, you know, being, being young, being in a transitional aspect, I mean, prior to, so like, when, when do you, from what you remember, when did you start having symptoms? In, was it in your senior year you guys started having symptoms or was it before that? I would say it was the summer before my senior year, going okay. into the soccer season. I just remember uh, we would be doing a lot of running for soccer practice and stuff. And I just couldn't keep up as well as I could. I was my breathing was a lot heavier. I was getting nauseous all the time. And, but I, I didn't really know what it was then. I just thought I was out of shape. So, Okay. Okay. And, and I imagine, right. Having been a former athlete and then also a coach, you know, we're not thinking that someone who's going into their senior year, who's, who's been maybe one of my, one of my starters or one of my main players, we're not, uh, we're not jumping to the conclusion that, okay, the reason why he's struggling right now is because he has cancer. We're thinking, okay, he's not motivated. He's distracted. He didn't put the time in the off season, you know, all those things. What do you recall as you were, you were maybe pushing your body, but your body wasn't responding. Yeah, I just remember being incredibly frustrated because, you know, I, prior to having all those nausea and whatnot, I felt like I was in the best shape of my life. Like I should be playing a lot better than I was. Um, and then it just started getting into my own head. So I would lose confidence pretty quickly and just make mistakes that I knew I shouldn't be making. I was actually talking to my soccer coach about this not too long ago. Um, he's a close family friend now and he, you know, he was telling me that he thought I was on drugs or something just because the decline was so drastic. Sure. Sure. And, and I, I imagine then that was a whole nother aspect, right? Not, not only do you not know what's going on, but then you may be getting, uh, uh, the looks of what, what's going on with Ivan. Why, why is this, why is this happening? And so now I, I just assumed that you were, you were a contributor. I, were you, were you a, a contributor on the, on the varsity team uh, going into your senior year? 
Uh, no, <laughs> not at that point anymore. I was, uh, yeah, I wasn't in a good place to contribute. So. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, your junior going into your senior, were you expected to be one of the contributors? I was expected to be better than I was. That's for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So, okay. And so, um, so then you get, you get the news that you have cancer, obviously they're in a stage four, so they're going to start immediate treatment, you know, regarding that piece. As you were going through it, obviously the, there was a loneliness. You find out in mid-July that, that the treatment has taken, right? And so you stop, you, you do the last rounds of treatment, sounds like in, in July. And then what was, now Now it's about rebuilding. And and so, and, and again, you're 18 years old and we're talking about rebuilding. Um, yeah, thinking back about that aspect, how was, what, what did you do? What were you thinking? What were the, some of the next steps? Yeah, so um, I actually started applying to college once I kind of dropped out of high school because um, I hadn't, you know, I had different priorities up until that point. Um, but by the time I finished, I would have been accepted into Marquette University. So honestly, it was just getting ready to go to college at that point. I was able to start on time and everything, but I just wanted to stop feeling like I was different than anybody else. I wanted to feel normal again. So I kind of just put my head down and tried to prepare as much as I could for college. And, you know, thankfully, because I was still 17 when I was diagnosed, I got to do Make-A-Wish. So I actually wished for college tuition and that, you know, made it a lot easier. It took some of that financial strain away, which was really nice. Nice. Okay. So then, so that wish was then granted mm-hmm. and then you ended up going to Marquette. And um, at that time, uh, did you know what you were going to study? Did you just knew you wanted to go to college? Yeah, tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so my brother was going to Marquette at the time, so I knew I wanted to go there. Um, As far as what I wanted to study, I actually went in as an English literature major. Um, But through my journey with cancer, I had worked with a therapist at uh, Children's Hospital Wisconsin as part of the treatment program. And, you know, I just saw how much help I was getting. And I also saw the opportunity to help other people in a similar way. So once I actually went to college, I switched my major to psychology and ended up going down the path that I'm at today. Gotcha. Okay. And so, uh, so you got your degree in psychology um, mm-hmm. at, at Marquette. And, and, and so, so now you're, t- you're, roughly 21, 22 years old. And, and I'm assuming it was like, you know, four, four years to, to finish up. Then what was the next step? Or did you have any work experiences in between that time period? Or what, what was besides school, what was going on? Yeah, so I had done a couple of research labs and uh, just involved psychology stuff in my undergrad. And I had figured out that you can't really do all that much for the bachelor's in psychology. So I started trying to figure out the next steps, uh, which ended up looking like applying to master's or doctoral programs. Um, So, you know, then I was figuring out what kind of program I want to go into and and the track that I want to go down. So I ended up staying at Marquette um, directly after graduating. I got into the master's for clinical mental health counseling. Um, so didn't take a break or anything, just took that summer and, you know, the next fall of 2017, I was, you know, on the track to get my master's. Okay, perfect. And then, um, 
and then like most programs, I, I'm assuming you had a couple of internships uh, that you were involved with. And then obviously you, you know, ended up working one, where was your internships at and what was that experience like? And then, um, and then what were some of the jobs prior to coming to Red Oak? Yeah. So I was in the child and adolescent track. So I was going to be working with kids mostly. So I did my internship at the Penfield Children's Center and the behavior clinic. And we did in-home family therapy for children ages one to five. Um, so we drive throughout the county of Milwaukee, um, providing services mostly to uh, lower SES families, uh, but really anybody who had children suffering from you know, extreme behavioral concerns, tantrums, things like that. Um, I'd say I really enjoyed working with the population and I got to know Milwaukee a lot better, just driving around everywhere. Um, I think the most difficult piece was actually being in people's homes. Uh, not everyone was super comfortable with that. And, and sometimes we'd get no showed at the door. So mm. definitely learned a lot. Sure. Yeah. Um, my, my daughter did, uh, some, did in, in-home counseling um, with an autism program in the Milwaukee area and yeah. uh, did that for a couple of years. And, and, and we talked about uh, when Sierra was doing that, we, we talked about the challenges of doing in-home counseling versus when the client comes to the house, um, what, what have you, what have you experienced now having done both the in-home, the in-home counseling, as well as then the counseling where the client comes to, comes to us, what, what have you noticed about the difference? What are the pros? What are the cons? What are the challenges? Yeah, I, I would say the pros, at least with building rapport with the kids, it was a lot easier because they're in a familiar setting, you know, you're using their toys, um, they get to show you around their home in that way. Um, the difficulty was that a lot of the times parents expected us to be there to problem solve and, and give them all the solutions. When we were, we were there to help them learn different techniques to deal with the behavioral issues. Um, as far as you know, how that's different from being in the office, uh, I would say parents, you know, from my experience, want to be a little bit more involved when it comes to being in the office, which, you know, seems counterintuitive to me, but I'm, I'm very happy that they do because, you know, we only get to see them once a week, right? So we have to help them support their kids as much as possible whenever they're not here. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. I think there is that added, that added element of that, you know, we, we talk about the idea of, of, uh, because I used to be a school social worker. And, um, and so we would, we would sometimes do home visits. We'd sometimes have the parents come into the school and when they, when we would do clinical work, clinical counseling, there is, if the sessions, let's say at two o'clock, you know, the, the commute there, you know, regardless if it's 20 minutes or if it's 45 minutes, that a lot of times that begins some of the some of the involvement already the, you know they they know they're coming to see Ivan so they're already thinking about that afterwards there's another 20 to 45 minute you know commute back to their house so they're they're thinking about what happened in session and what things to implement so i think uh, there's something about that 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 natural transition when coming to an appointment that starts even before they get to the door yeah i think i've noticed the same thing so, so, um, so as you've, um, as you now have been at Red Oak now for a few, uh, for a few months, cause you started in the fall, correct? Yes. Yeah. November 15th, I think was my start date. 
great day. That's my birthday. So that, um, <laughs> so, um, so, so we're talking middle of March now. So, so it's been four, four or five months now. And so what things in this particular setting, what things have you noticed with the work that you do at Red Oak and, and reflecting back on your experience throughout your life, not only, you know, uh, you know, being born in Mexico and then moving a couple significant moves. And then, and then the aspect of having uh, what you went through your senior year, um, obviously in June, going into your senior year, you had much different ideas that, than, than what happened uh, 12 months later, right? Your world got turned upside down in 12 months. Um, yeah, what, what would you say, have you been able to, as, you, as you're connecting with some of your clients, working with the families, how, how do you think some of those experiences that were in your, your particular journey have, have now been a way to empathize with your clients or families now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think everything that's happened, everything that I've been through is really, you know, comes out every day in my work. You know, I, I think I am the way that I ha am and I have the perspective that I do because I've had so many different experiences and have benefited from the help of so many other people. So I've wanted to, you know, turn that around and, and help others as much as I can too. Um, you know, though I've had my challenges, I've also been fortunate enough to meet some incredible people and in this journey called life. So I, I think uh, I consider myself lucky every day. You know, I think my parents, especially, um, we may have not always gotten along as well as we do now, but um, I wouldn't be here without them and, you know, all the sacrifices that they've made. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I think there, there is definitely an element of, of that, that we, it may not be till later on in life, can we, can we see how much uh, key individuals, in your case, your parents and some other key individuals along, along your, your story that have played a part in there, we may not necessarily com completely acknowledge or recognize it at the time. Um, but I, I do think that's one of the, I think, for me, at least, that's one of the one of the huge benefits of this type of work that we do as clinical counselors or being in the helping field in general is that it is a, it is a time as we're working with our clients, it's just time for the, for the metaphorical mirror to get shined, you know, thrown back at us. So we can see, you know, different, different time periods going, Oh, okay. Maybe I wasn't as grateful when I was 20 uh, that I am today, but so we take the opportunity to share that gratitude or, 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 or share that uh, perspective now when we may have a little bit more insight. Yeah. Yeah. I think I learned as much from my clients as I hope they're able to learn from me, you know, and some of the conversations that we're able to have really do cause some introspective times that I, I have been grateful to have. And I don't think I would have been able to a few years ago. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I think that aspect of believing that we're always continually learning and that, uh, and, I, and I know you've heard me probably say this, you know, time and time again, that as, as counselors, as therapists, we, we have the opportunity um, to meet people and instruct or guide them along their journey. But essentially they need to be invited to be the hero or heroine of their own journey. You know, we can only be their guide. We can only be, you know, an instructor or a guide or a coach along that journey. They still have to make the steps regardless if they're 
a young one or or older, similar to your case, as you were navigating through uh, the obstacles of of having cancer, uh, you could have a therapist encourage you and guide you through that. But you still had to do you still had to do the walk. You still had to do the work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've I've been learning that more and more that we can give people the tools, but it's up to them to use them. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I think, you know, our responsibility is that if as, as a, as a coach or a guide or instructor, how can we break that, break that skill down to make it uh, workable for them so that they can then see how, how they can, they can institute it in their own life. And sometimes it's pointing out something that maybe they didn't even know existed. Right. And so, um, or, or uh, sometimes, you know, that they may be feeling this, but it's not their fault that it happened, but it is their responsibility of what they're going to do with it. Um, similar to the cancer, it's not your fault that you had cancer, but it is your responsibility of what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your story now? What are you going to do with it? Strange. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that was one of the hardest parts to learn. You know, you always want to help people and, and guide them down their journey, but you can't do everything for them. Right. And, you know, sometimes you do need to take a step back and figure out different ways to break things down. So it's, it, it clicks finally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I have an, as we get ready to wrap up, if there was something that you wanted to share with somebody who might be listening, either uh, maybe a family member or a parent that, that knows someone that is going through, uh, you know, finding out that they have cancer or finding out that there's something not right and there's misdiagnosing going on, or if someone already has been given a diagnosis, regardless if it was cancer or some other health issue. Um, what, what would any, any thoughts that you'd want to share with anybody? I would just, you know, well, first I'd want to say thank you to my family and everyone who's helped me in my own journey. Um, but I would just say, you know, use the people around you as much as possible. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I think uh, uh, for a while there, I, I didn't ask for help as much as I could have. And it, um, you know, prolong some suffering that didn't need to happen. So yeah. use your support systems, trust those around you. Yeah, I think, I think you're hundred percent right that, that, you know, we go through things regardless if they're, you know, uh, an athletic career and, and we have some success there, or if we have uh, a setback such as cancer or some type of other obstacle, I think they really are opportunities that we can then carry forward as life lessons um, and, and how we can then go, okay, so that happened when I was, when I was 18. Now, how do I apply that at 26? How do I apply that, you know, at, at this particular, you know, and I think that's one of those life life tools is that being able to ask for, uh, ask for help and, and utilize the resources that are right at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, perfect. So, uh, so Ivan, if there was somebody listening that wanted to uh, uh, get, get a hold of you, uh, reach out to you, what's the, what's the best way for them to, to reach out to you or get a hold of you? Uh, you can probably just shoot me an email. Uh, it's my first and last name and the number eight at gmail.com. Otherwise, my Red Oak email is just Ivan at RedOakCounseling.com as well. Perfect. Well, Ivan, I, I've, I definitely appreciate your energy at, at Red Oak. And um, I know we don't spend a ton of time talking, but I walk by you because you're right by the one of the offices that I'm at on a regular basis. And I appreciate the work that you're doing with the young people 
and the people in general that you see there. And um, I want to just thank you again for sharing your story um, of not only what happened as you experienced um, not knowing what was going on, but then when you were diagnosed with cancer and being able to share what that was like, because um, we never know um, who needs to hear hear those stories of, of hope and, and inspiration. So again, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It's been an incredible opportunity. And like you said, anytime I can share my story and hopefully inspire others, I'm happy to do so. Perfect. Well, thank you, Ivan. So um, just as as always, as, as Ivan was sharing about uh, the things that he went through um, over the last uh, eight years of his life, um, we want to be able to, uh, you know, pay that forward, share, share the things that we've learned, because we never know who may need to hear that. So as always, if you think there might be someone out there that may need to hear Ivan's story and his perspective of what he did, uh, please share this podcast. And as always, thank you for being here today. And I look forward to being with you next week.